Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades. And in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the U.S. in California. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Just send email to radio at lsm.org. Now let's join today's show. Ezekiel, a book of visions, begins in chapter 1 with the vision of God's glory. The final vision in chapter 40 is a vision of the house of God or the building of God. Hopefully, we, like Ezekiel, have seen both of these great visions in our life, a vision of God's glory and a vision of his building. But the sad truth is that though Christians speak much concerning the glory of God, there are precious few words spoken concerning his building. Most likely, it's because this great vision has yet to be seen by the vast majority of God's children. Bill Lawson is here, and Bill, um, I've been away for a while, and uh, I haven't had the chance to enjoy Ezekiel with you, I think, uh, since early on in this life study, but uh, uh, we're both coming back into it at uh, kind of a peak, aren't we? That's right, Chris. I just got back from uh, Ghana in Lagos, Nigeria, so it's good to get back in here into the... uh book of Ezekiel to see what riches uh, lie right here. Well, riches are a good word since you brought it up. I'll use that as a kind of a segue here because in chapter 41, specifically the chapter we'll be looking at today, we do see uh, the temple of God, this building of God, the house of God, and how it is related to the riches of Christ. But that's in some of our interpretation and opening up of these verses yet to come. I thought as a kind of a introduction today, knowing your expertise in history, it might be good time to have a little overview of the history of the building of God. Of course, we spent a long time talking about the tabernacle when we were back in the life study of Exodus, and mm. we've touched it many, many times since. Now in Ezekiel, we have this vision of the temple of God. Maybe you could say something about the, you know, the origin of the temple or how it's related to the tabernacle, and, and just give us a quick overview. Well, as you said, Chris, when you go into the book of Exodus, the matter of God's tabernacle is first mentioned there, mainly in chapters 25 through 40, and there we begin to see a picture that God's real desire for his people on the earth is to gain a habitation in which he can dwell with his people. And that uh, tabernacle, we know, was erected in the wilderness, and then eventually, centuries later, the uh, Israelites got into the good land, and then their whole intention was to eventually build that temple, which was done at the time of Solomon. So there you have the tabernacle, which is a kind of a miniature of the of the solid temple. The tabernacle was temporary, and the, and the temple, of course, is very permanent and solid. 
God. And we know if you study the history of the nation of Israel from the Old Testament, you can see Nebuchadnezzar, uh, in around 600 or so B.C., he came with his army, and he, he destroyed Jerusalem, and he destroyed that magnificent temple of Solomon. Then, of course, we know 70 years later, after the uh, captivity, a remnant of the Jews returned to the land, and they rebuilt the temple, but it was not in the splendor and magnificence as the Solomonic temple. Then, uh, centuries later, at the time of Christ, Herod, in order to placate the Jews, to appease the the Jews, he rebuilt and refurbished and reconstructed that uh, temple and made it quite magnificent, yet still not in the splendor as it was in the days of Solomon. So that was the temple that was in existence when the Lord Jesus was on the earth. Of course, we know, and history tells us, that Prince Titus came there and destroyed that temple again and just devastated the city and the temple. And we know for all these almost 2,000 years, there has not been a physical presence of that temple there in Jerusalem. Uh, Of course, there we have the uh, Dome of the Rock, and we have the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which are both located on that Temple Mount compound. But if we know the uh, prophecies in Daniel and so on, and in Matthew 24, we know that the third temple will be rebuilt on the site of the Solomonic Temple. And uh, that temple will be built in splendor, but not quite as magnificent, again, as the original Solomon Temple. And then, after the period of Antichrist, when he devastates the third temple coming up, then the nation of Israel will be in the millennium, they will fully be restored, then they will build, Chris, a kind of temple that is even larger than the Solomonic temple, which Ezekiel prophesies in chapters 40 through 48 of Ezekiel. So this is kind of a brief history of where we are today. Of course, I went over mainly the type in the Old Testament. When we come to the New Testament, John in chapter 1 says that the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So we know the Lord Jesus here is a real type of the tabernacle. Then in John chapter 2, the Lord likened himself to the temple. He said, if you destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. Though eventually when the Lord was crucified and resurrected, in his resurrection, he built the church, which is the real tabernacle and real temple of God. So we as the church, the body of Christ, are the enlargement of Christ. So the body becomes the fullness, the expression of all the riches of Christ. And like you say, Chris, it progressively becomes larger and larger until eventually we come to the end of the Bible in the New Jerusalem. Hmm. That's the complete fullness and expression of God's temple. So whether we're talking about the Temple of Solomon, the temple during Ezra's time, Herod's temple, or this temple that will be built just prior to the advent of the millennium, or this full temple as uh, prophesied by Ezekiel. These are all physical, these are all material, and Mm -hmm. these are all types, aren't they, of the real spiritual temple and house of God. Which is the church, the house of God, the body of Christ, and that will consummate ultimately in the New Jerusalem. So, Bill, it's fair to say, then, as the physical temple has been progressively getting larger, mm-hmm. the spiritual reality of that is also increasing, isn't That's it? That's right, because the Word tells us that every person who receives the Lord and becomes a regenerated believer, they become the increase of Christ, according to John chapter 3, where John the Baptist said, the Lord must increase, but I must decrease. They become the enlargement of Christ. So the more human beings receive Christ, they become the fullness of this very one to be his body. 
Bill, let's come now to chapter 41, where we're uh, focusing today. Verse 14 says, so he measured the house. Again, this is a description of this expanded temple being prophesied uh, to be built at a future time. He measured the house 100 cubits long and the separate place at the back and the building with its walls 100 cubits long and the width of the front of the house and of the separate place toward the east 100 cubits. Bill, this is describing in these uh, verses 12 through 14 in Ezekiel 41, a kind of a separate room, a separate building behind the actual temple itself, included in the overall design of the whole temple site, but physically another structure that's actually bigger than the temple itself. And as we're talking about how this building keeps enlarging, there's a spiritual significance here as well, isn't there? Right. This really shows us the unsearchable riches of Christ. Here you have this vast building that's larger than the temple itself, but it doesn't give us the use of the room. So in a sense, you have this vast building, yet there's no use for the room. What is it used for? We don't know. This shows the, the riches of Christ are just unsearchable. Bill, in this next portion, we are going to pick up Witness Lee speaking uh, in the following verses, beginning at verse 16. Let me just read this. It says, The thresholds, the latticed windows, and the galleries of the surrounding side chambers with their three stories opposite the threshold were paneled with wood all around, even from the ground to the windows. Now the windows were latticed. The interior of the temple is overlaid with wood. Of course, the actual structure of the temple was stone, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's overlaid with wood. This is different, isn't it, than uh, what is the overlaying element uh, in the tabernacle that we saw back in Exodus? That's right, Chris. In the tabernacle in Exodus and the temple there uh, mentioned in 1 Kings, Solomon's temple, the entire interior was overlaid with gold, so the impression you get was gold. But here in Ezekiel's temple, it was paneled, overlaid with wood, showing the stress here is on the humanity of the Lord Jesus. All right, let's join Witness Lee, and then we'll come back to fellowship more on this point. All the walls of the temple and of the side chambers and of the back building and even of the porch, any part of the building related to the temple, the temple proper, the porch, the side chambers, and the back building. All the walls are covered with wood. When you get into the temple building, you can see nothing but wood. It is absolutely different from Moses' tabernacle. When you get into the tabernacle raised up by Moses, you see the gold. Every part is overlaid with gold. But here, every part is coated with wood. We all know gold signifies the divinity, and wood signifies the humanity. It's marvelous. You know, Ezekiel is a book of humanity. In the first chapter, Christ on the throne was a man. Even in the glory, Christ revealed as a man. And we have seen when the glory came back to the temple, the man was there. And that man, Josh, was God himself. The man, eventually, in God's building, the main construction is of humanity. 
We have to be so human, but not humanly human. We have to be Jesusly human. Our humanity is not our natural one, but the humanity of Jesus. You have the number six used in this book again and again and again and again, and the number six we all know signifies the humanity, the man Jesus. Now, the whole temple within is covered with wood. And we don't know what kind of wood. Praise the Lord. It's really hard for you to name what kind of humanity Jesus has. It's really hard. Could you tell us what kind of humanity Jesus has? It's marvelous. We just cannot name it. But we see it. And we got it. Isn't this wonderful? Amen. Bill, let's go back. Uh, look at this verse in, in Exodus 26, speaking of the tabernacle. It says, And you shall overlay the boards with gold, in verse 19, and make their rings gold as holders for the bars, and you shall overlay the bars with gold. Everything in the tabernacle is overlaid with gold. Now, here, everything in the temple is overlaid with wood. This obviously is pointing to the humanity of Christ. And as he said, in the fulfillment, the striking thing is the humanity. But it's not good, he said, to be humanly human. You better descramble that that language for us. Right, Chris. Of course, the gold we know is the divinity, the wood, the humanity, mainly showing that God's divinity needs to be expressed through humanity. If we don't have the proper humanity, God's divinity cannot be properly expressed. That's why our humanity is so important to be useful to the Lord. We can be so human that we're just naturally human without any trace of divinity. So it's real mingling. Divinity is here, but the divinity is expressed properly through the humanity. So you have all of the divine attributes of God, holiness, righteousness, love, light, forbearance, patience, endless attributes, but those attributes have to be expressed through a proper human vessel, and they become human virtues. In God, they're divine attributes. In man, they're human virtues. And when we live by the life of Christ, his humanity is mainly expressed. So that's why I feel in the Ezekiel's temple, the wood is, is the most important thing because our proper humanity is what is needed for God's expression, for us to be the church, the body of Christ. Uh, we need to be Jesusly human. Not just humanly human, but we need to express the humanity of Jesus in our humanity. If, you know, on the one hand, we are just naturally human, mm-hmm. there's nothing divine expressed. Right. On the other hand, sometimes, especially speaking in my own uh, experience, in my own Christian history, uh, as especially as a young person, I had a kind of a desire, a sort of a zeal to be only spiritual. Mm-hmm. And what you try to portray is uh, just the gold without the wood. Right. Uh, and that misses it as well, doesn't it? That's not the real expression here that God is after. Right. Many believers, they get into this thing called uh, imitation. They try to imitate the life of Jesus. They try in their own human virtues, their own human traits and characteristics. They try to live like Christ without the life of Christ, and that's just to be humanly human. But when we enjoy the Lord, we experience him, we are one with him, 
we are one spirit with him, then the, the divine life of the Lord Jesus is lived out of our humanity, and then people see a real person where the humanity is proper, it's upright, but it, it expresses divinity. Bill, let's go on. Uh, we're staying in chapter 41 now on to verses 18 and 19. Uh, on the walls were both carved cherubim and palm trees. And a palm tree was between two cherubim, and every cherub had two faces. So there was the face of a man toward the palm tree on one side and the face of a lion toward the palm tree on the other side. Can't help but remind us of uh, chapter 1, can it? That's right. Say a little bit here about the uh, uh, the vision we got in chapter 1 involving these faces. Of course, in chapter 1, you have the vision uh, there, and then you have you have four faces. You have the eagle, you have the lion, you have the ox, and you have one of man. And these show, again, the four different expressions of the Lord Jesus in his life and ministry on the earth and directly correspond to the four Gospels that unveil the Lord in the different aspects in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so here we have in chapter 41 two of those four, the face of the man, the face of the lion, and both bracketed by the palm tree. So Witness Lee will help us uh, understand this passage. On all the walls, cherubims and palm trees were carved. You do have the carving, carving of cherubims and palm trees. Cherubims are just the four living creatures. Could you follow me? The four living creatures in chapter 1 are cherubims. Cherubims signify the glory of the Lord manifested through or on the creatures. And among the cherubims, you have the palm trees. Now you know the palm trees signify, firstly, the victory of Christ. Secondly, the everlasting power, the ever-green, existing power of Christ. And all the cherubims, originally, they had four faces. But on the curve, they have only two faces. The man's face and the lion's face. The man's face shows the humanity, expressing the humanity. And the lion's face shows the victory, the victory in humanity. My, you look at the wall, full of cherubims and full palm trees. And these are carvings. You need... Uh, <laughs> To be carved a little bit. To be carved means to suffer something. You know, and certain brothers or sisters, when you meet with them, they would give you the impression that upon them there are some carvings. The victory of Christ has been carved into them. And the glory of the Lord has been carved into them the everlasting power, the freshness, the evergreen power has been carved into their being. When they stand in the church, when they remain in the church, they just bear this kind of a impression. They do have some carvings upon their being. It's marvelous. 
Bill, on all these walls surrounding uh, every one of the rooms in the temple, all the surfaces overlaid with wood, we see the carvings with these uh, two cherubim with a face of a man and a face of a lion flanked or bracketed by the palm trees. Of course, the face of the man typifying the humanity of Christ, the face of the lion, the victory of Christ, and then in these palm trees, this wonderful expression that he had God being evergreen, everlasting, ever fresh in his power. So uh, these are really the experiences being typified. Yet if we're to enter in, we need to be like those walled or those wooden panels. We need to be carved on a bit, don't we? That's right, Chris. I think with most believers, we avoid the sufferings. We don't like to be carved up. You know, we like to have a good time. We like the Lord to do things for us. We like to have the Lord provide everything for us. But when it comes to the carvings, this is something that is not easy for we believers to take. We think that now that we're believers, we're okay and everything, we should live a, a real nice Christian life and nothing evil could happen to us. But here, when you look at the real experience, the carvings are definitely there. We need the Lord's life. We need his humanity. We need his glory carved into our being so that we don't just express ourselves. We don't just express our own selfish uh, dispositions and our own personality. Uh, when you look at the Apostle Paul, someone in the New Testament, if you read his epistle to the Galatians, he tells the Galatians at the end of the book, he says, I bear in my body the brands of Jesus. Of course, Paul is not merely talking about the physical scars that he received in his faithful service to the Lord. He's referring also to the Lord's deep uh, life and glory that has been carved into his life and ministry over all those years until he was eventually martyred. So here you have a person like Paul who was fully carved on by the Lord. And I think we can uh, testify that brothers like Watchman Nee, brothers like Witness Lee, these brothers in the somewhat short time that we got to know them and be under their ministry, these ones were really bearing the carvings of Jesus uh, in their life and their living. They bore a fragrance of someone who lived a crucified life. Bill, it's um, so marvelous to see these uh, types, these pictures unfolded for us. And then once you see them, it's like, oh yeah, it's so clear. Mm -hmm. uh, but what a, not just a pleasurable experience, but what a blessed experience to be mm -hmm. under this kind of ministry where these types are opened up in such a right. marvelous way with an application, just as you described, that really meets us in our own Christian life. Mm -hmm. I think, too, it's important, Chris, for us to realize that all of these items concerning the humanity, the everlasting victory, the glory all these things are involved with God's building, the temple. They are not merely individual experiences that believers right. try to have to be spiritual, holy. No, these are all involved with God's building. Whenever we as believers are built into God and built up with other believers for God's expression, then these matters become our experience. Yeah, Bill, we began the program today by talking about the sad fact that God's people, for the most part, have seen something perhaps of his glory, almost nothing of his building. And really, mm -hmm. to see the building is to see ourselves in the context of the building, because we really are the building of God, aren't we? That's right. So it's it really, it's a corporate experience. Yeah. On one hand, we have a personal Christian life, but if we don't get into the experience, Chris, of God's building, these visions of Ezekiel, then we miss a lot, uh, 
concerning the humanity, the glory, the victory, all these things don't mean that much until we enter into the real building of God. Well, Bill, we've had a number of programs now on this matter of the building of God, and as Matt Miller has been uh, hosting the program while I've been away, uh, he has been mentioning to the listeners, and I'd like to repeat now, that uh, the Printed Life Study, Volume 2 of the Life Study of Ezekiel, uh, contains a number of diagrams that are really, I, I would say, crucial. They're key to get a full, proper understanding of all of the things we're talking about in this last section of Ezekiel, chapters 40 through 48, all dealing with the building. You can see these diagrams, plus you'll get all the printed messages that we're covering in the radio program each day. Uh, the telephone number, if you'd like to uh, contact us that way, toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. If you'd uh, like to write to us, that's Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send us email, and that is just radio at lsm.org. Org and ask for that second volume of the Life Study of Ezekiel, and we will get it out to you. Uh, Bill, let me repeat the telephone number one more time, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. That's all the time we have for today. For Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.